to know each other more, uh, you will find I prefer to use the word contentment or joy more than happy or happiness because in my mind happiness comes and goes with the wind, but contentment seems to be something that God desires for us. And so when I speak of contentment, what I mean is to be full. Like last week with pouring of the jugs in the water. Or maybe a better way to put it is contentment is that which makes us able. That which makes us able to live a full life. That which makes us able to do the things that God has called us to do. And this passage begins by Paul talking again about quarreling and about fighting and about arguing. And he says, hey, Timothy, remember, don't, don't get involved with these things. Don't get involved in the quarreling and the fighting. And something stuck out to me that we haven't talked about yet as we've gone through Timothy. That I realized that this quarreling and this fighting and this division that sometimes comes about in churches and among Christians is not always from the pastor or from the leadership or, or in a public eye. I realized that there's also a way to create division in church and, and the Lord kind of showed me that, hey, one of the other things we have to be very careful about is what our heart is doing inside of us. The conversations we have with people. Um, some of you will know what this is like. Maybe you do this with your spouse. Maybe you do this with friends who go to the same church. But something bothers you at church. Something gets up your skate or you have kind of a, an axe to grind, so to speak, as the expression goes. And instead of bringing it up in a healthy way or talking about it with, with the person involved, you go to someone else. And you say, oh, did you notice this? And you start to talk about the things that bother you. Or you kind of ask questions and leading questions. Say, did you know how this person did this? Or how did you notice how this happened? Or how they were this always? And we use all these words that aren't very fair. And I realized something that when I began to think about contentment, when Paul is talking about quarreling and Paul is talking about arguing, I realized that if if we are discontent, then that's going to come out in our relationships and as we talk to people. As, as Christ said, that we reap what we sow. And if in our heart we have discontentment and it's unsettled and it's, it's displaced and it's not joyful, then oftentimes our relationships and our relationship to the church and to God begin to show the same things. And if we are not content with Christ, the fruit of our lives, so to speak, will reflect this. And, and then he goes on in verse 6 and 7 and says this phrase, which is very difficult. He says the godliness, Timothy, godliness, all of you here tonight, is found in contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing from it. I, I don't like this. I'm not one who has many possessions, but at the same time, there was something that I very, very much like and I very much cherish, and, and I like to think that that's okay. But then I read a passage like this, and I'm immediately convicted. I'm immediately convicted to think, what am I holding on too tightly for? Anyone who's ever done a big international move will understand this. Uh, we just had this happen. We moved here, and we had to think, what do we want to keep? What are the things we have to keep? What are the things we have to pay a lot of money to keep in storage or to ship across an ocean because we just have to have these things with us. And in, in, in the light of that, looking at the things around our home, I, I felt a little bit embarrassed. If I'm honest, I, I saw some of these things and I thought, do I really need this? And, and I don't mean to say that possessions are bad, but, but I ask you, when 
So it's not just about our survival, but filling ourselves and surrounding ourselves with people that we can love and people that we can enjoy. And then after that, it comes esteem. The word E-S-T-E-M. The, the where once we have all our needs met and then we're surrounded by people, but then on top of that, then we these other people help to define us and give us worth and give us feelings of, of confidence in who we are. And then finally, he, he uses this term self-actualization, which depending on who you ask could mean a couple of different things. But ultimately, it's it's the confidence to go and do, do things. It's confidence to work. It's the confidence in the safety and, and the love and relationships. All of these things in this pyramid build up to us saying we are healthy. It's essentially what he said. If we have these needs met, we are healthy beings. Now, I don't disagree with this, per se. But what's happened is, is many Christians and many people have, have thought about this way, and, and they've said, yes, this is how it is for my life. And they've seen true things in this theory and in psychology. Many of us, if you've ever been to a therapist or talked through these things, you realize these are true. But the problem is, and problem something that I've experienced in my own life, is that I've taken these psychological needs and then I've applied them to God. Is that I've taken this thing that I've helped understand how I might find contentment and said, oh, this is how God wants me to find contentment. And it's not necessarily wrong, but the reality is, is this isn't in Scripture. See, in Scripture, God says that contentment is found only in Him. And yet, to me, I began to think that, wow, I need to, to, to fulfill all of these things, and I need to have my whole life figured out and find contentment before I can go to God and be loved by God. In, in James, the book of James, chapter 1, it says that the desires of our heart are the things that lead us to temptation. Tomorrow will worry about itself. 
each day has enough trouble of its own. See, one of the things I realized in my search for contentment was that God wants me here and now. Not a better version of me a few years later, not that I have to figure things out, but that God desires me here and now, and that I will find contentment through Him and Him alone. But when I pursue my own desires, when I pursue my own plan, I fall short. And I keep wanting more. And I keep wondering, God, why am I not content? I thought I was doing all the right things, and I realized that I didn't have God at the center. And, and Paul sees this, and Paul knows this, and so when he writes this letter to Timothy, he says, hey, Timothy, you need to focus on God. God needs to be at the center, because otherwise what's going to happen? He says, men pursue all of the things of the world. And he says, what? The worst thing that could happen is that you pursue these things that you desire, your own things. And he says, it could be a love of money. And the love of money and the love of the things of the world, which money represents, is the root of all kinds of evil. Wandering from the faith, bringing grief into your life for no reason. And so you, Timothy, verses 11 to 15, he says, fight it. Flee from these things. Now I would say the same to you tonight, I can see. Flee from this way of thinking that we have to have money, that we have to have comfort, and that we have to have all of our answers figured out. Especially in Switzerland. <laughs> I find myself already, I, I, I don't even have a watch, and sometimes I'll be sitting on the train and I'll see someone with a really nice watch thinking, I can use a really nice watch. That would make me feel a little bit better about myself. Or I see, you know, today we were sitting outside and everyone was zooming around in their really, really nice cars, and I think, I don't even have a car. You're going to need a car. Or you see a big, beautiful house, or you see whatever it is, and you wonder, man, maybe that will make me content. Maybe, maybe those people really haven't figured out. I need to be more like those people. That's not what it is. In verse 17, Paul says that God provides us with everything we need. Everything we need. There's a, a book. Um, it's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Is written by a person, and I never heard of, heard of Maslow and his hierarchy of needs. Um, I would be surprised. This was something, a very obscure gift I got once. And it's by a 16th century British pastor named Jeremiah Burroughs. And I don't think it's a bestseller. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a hard book to read, if I'm honest. But he said this in this book. When some men and women are complaining so much, and always whining. It is a sign that there is an emptiness in their hearts. Because a gracious heart, having the Spirit of God within him, and his heart filled with grace, has that within him that makes him find contentment. He says, listen, one of the ways we can know if we fill our hearts with God, if we fill our hearts with the grace and love of Jesus Christ, is by how we're living life. And if we're complaining as Christians, and if we're whining about these things, and constantly in a state of discontentment, he says, listen, we haven't filled our hearts with the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Christ has given us all that we need in the foundation of our lives as Christ, as we're talking about the foundation of our growth ought to be Christ, and yet we have done other things. 
we have made it other things. We have made it success. We have made it a goal that we set. We have made it to impress someone else. I, I know this because this has been a constant struggle for me. When I was 18 or 19 years old, I started to plan out my life like many of us do. I'll go to college, and then after college, I'll get a job. And then once I get a job, I'll get a nice little house, something modest, you know, maybe get married, have a couple of kids, and, and I'll, I'll live in California the rest of my life with a nice little garden, and, and everything will be fine and safe, and I'll probably get a golden retriever, and life will just be happy. Well, here I am in Switzerland, which at that point I had never even been to. I, I don't have a nice little house and a garden and all of these different My life is completely different than what I thought it would be. And I use this analogy all the time when I, when I meet with young people and I meet with young men and women because I say, listen, if you think about the foundation of a house, right, just think about like a concrete slab. When we're young and we think we know best or maybe old and we think we know best, we, we, we plan out a foundation. And we, and, and we say, okay, this will be perfect for all of my desires. I'll build my house and it'll fit just so and everything will work out well and everything. But then God comes along and says, I wanted so much more for you. This foundation is too small. I, I'm going to give you all of these things and all of these wonderful things and it won't fit. And, and your, your foundation that you dreamed up to build your life upon is too small. Your desires are too small. Your desires are for you, not for me. The things I have for you will bring you true contentment and true joy. And this thing you've built is it's small and kind of pathetic. I mean, not that they're inherently bad, but in my own life, I realized this was exactly what happened. God had so much more for me, and I just thought, yeah, I'll be fine. I'm just going to try to hide in obscurity and, and never really do anything. Because I was reading this passage, and in verse 19, Paul says that these are the things that lead to that which is truly life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I really believe we have a couple of options here. We can pursue our own desires and be constantly wanting more and trying to get contentment, whatever that looks like, because it's probably different every day when we're pursuing our own desires. Or we can trust God. And we can trust that God has a plan, and that when we pursue Him fully, that we will actually have contentment that lasts. That we don't wake up wanting more and needing more and feeling incomplete. And there's a couple of examples I want to point out to this, just so you don't think this is just my idea. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, when sin entered the world, remember, before there was sin, they were completely content. They were naked. They were working in the garden. And they're hanging out with God. And they, it says they used to walk and talk through the garden. They were, they were in physical community, community and communion with God. Similar to the way that we desire to be, but we don't know how to be. And because of sin, you and I are no longer capable of doing this on our own. And if you think about it, when Adam and Eve, when sin entered, what did they do? They, they separated themselves from God. Because they thought that would be better. Which, by the way, they tried to play hide and seek with God. You know, they tried to hide from God. It's not possible. But I always find that really funny. But then, on top of that, they went and they made clothes. And they immediately tried to add. And they immediately needed more. 
fill our 
season, and that we would trust you to give us all that we need. Oh, you promise us that you will give us all that we need. You desire to have intimacy with us again. Lord, I pray that we would open ourselves to that, and that we would 